0: Hello oh, and welcome to our podcast celebrating International Women's Day. I'm Sarah Clark and I'm delighted to be joined today by Marcia Shekademian QC. Marcia is a highly regarded commercial law and insolvency silk at Wilberforce Chambers and in fact the head of insolvency. She's also a senior consultant at McDermott, Will and Emery, a deputy insolvency and companies court judge and the chair of the Chancery Bar Association Equality and Diversity Subcommittee. I was. And you were. Yes. <laughs> um, 2016
1: to 2019. The 2019.
0: But, the, but the, that role has to some extent continued because of what we've brought you in to talk about today, which was the, the Voices Report, um, which was a very significant research exercise that was undertaken to collate the experiences of uh, women at the Chancery Bar um, to identify and respond to the problems that were leading to underrepresentation. Marcy, tell us a bit about the Voices report and how it came
1: about. Um, well, it it feels like a long time ago now, but it's still quite vivid in my memory. Um, I was invited uh, by Christina Blacklaws, who was then the um, chair of the uh, Law Society, uh, to uh, a roundtable discussion uh, that she was um, hosting. Uh, addressing the challenges faced by uh, women in the law. And it was part of a wide ranging research program that she was doing, uh, effectively, um, which involved running uh, roundtable discussions up and down the country and then pooling um, the outcome of those discussions uh, uh, and merging them into a report with recommendations. Uh, What really struck me about the round table um, was that quite extraordinarily, I realised that I'd never been to an event where women could sit and discuss freely in a safe space um, their own personal experiences, warts and all. And and I went away from the session thinking this is extraordinary um, that in all my time in, in practice... I've never been to an event like this. I've been to all sorts of talks given by inspirational women about you know glass ceilings and you can be whatever you want to be, which, I, quite frankly, I find unhelpful and unconvincing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, well, this is actually this is important. It's important for people to share their experiences because it's only when you hear people talking about their actual experiences Um, that you can start working out what's gone wrong, what is wrong, and think about how to change things. So I thought I would um, embark on the same process through the Chancery Bar Association. Um, And we ran four roundtables over a period of about six months um, I was helped by Nikki Rushton, who's now the chair of this, the ED committee, Tina Kirikides, and Liz Houghton, um, and um, each roundtable was attended by about 10 women, and um, we facilitated discussion between them on a series of, you know, wide-ranging topics. Um, I started off the first round table with with a list of formulaic questions, but uh, we never stuck to the questions. And in the event, after the first roundtable, Nikki and I decided that the way to start the conversation was with this question: Have you ever thought about leaving the bar? Uh, why, and what made you stay? And uh, that really in each case set set you know the hair running, if you like.. Yeah.
0: Yes. And looking at the the, uh, having attended one of those sessions, I can I can completely agree with that idea, the the value of having that space to talk about things, because part of the difficulty, I think, is how isolating you can feel and how much you can internalize if something's going wrong. And I think it's quite a female trait to think, well, it's probably going wrong because I'm not good enough. Yeah, And to sit in a space where there are a lot of other women who you objectively admire and respect, you know, echoing some of the things you've experienced starts to give you a space where you think, oh, maybe it's not, it's not just me, maybe yes. it is something more systemic. Um, uh,
1: and- yeah, that's right. And that was what was re- really, one of the things that really hit me was how many of our participants thought it was just, it's just me, you know, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Uh, and I was I was really saddened by that. And it sort of threw into really sharp relief, you know, the problem with the bar, and it is a problem, is, it, it is we, we operate – our business model means we've got no support structure at all. Yeah. And that's not healthy. No, and it's sort of – I think that's one of the recommendations
0: come out of this is sort mm. of the mentoring and the yeah. um, sponsorship – has yeah. two separate things yeah. and how important that is. Yeah.
1: Um
0: but even within itself it, it's it's the sort of cultural thing about the way we work in isolation. Yeah. And even with mentoring everything you do as a barrister um it's very difficult. So for example with with I was thinking with billing one of the things that comes out in terms of the underrepresentation of people's earnings is how um women possibly aren't charging properly.
1: But no, so I think that's absolutely right.
0: And it's so difficult to know because unless you've had another barrister who's done the same yeah. piece of work as you, how do you compare no, right. your fees and know? And, and um, I th- I think it's a very interesting... Element of it and the value of that exercise for the participants, but also the value of the research that comes out of yeah. the things like the voices report is it's then in writing where even who yeah. weren't able to attend those round
1: of tables uh, And I can say that in my own chambers, Wilberforce which I mean I think is of as a, the paradigm of a well-run set, we are doing our own research into the billing differential.
0: Yeah, and how do you go about doing it? Are you ca- capturing data on
1: billings or? I don't think I can tell you that. Oh, okay. well, two reasons. First of all, I don't know because <laughs> I've, I've, just, I've just been told this. So we've had a discussion about it, and secondly, even if I did go, I did I don't. I'm not sure I could tell you. That You're at time.
0: liberty to disclose. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be uh, shared yeah. in due course once you've um, worked out some the, the bits that can be made available about yeah. it. Because that's really it's the methodology, isn't it? That's yeah. the difficult. But
1: but I do know that in, in my own experience. I mean, of I, 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 I feel that I'm I've too ready to take a hit on fees. You know, I'm too yeah. accommodating. I don't know whether that's a female trait. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I did a case, you know, I, I remember very, very clearly, good example, a case, it's about three or four years ago, where just before the hearing, um, I, I was asked to, t- me, my junior and I were both asked to take a hit on the brief fee. And, of course, by that stage, it's, well, actually, you're sort of back, backed into a bit of a corner. But then again, the client is as well. But I, I took a hit. I said, okay, I'll take whatever it is off. But my my junior, who was male, and, and quite a senior junior, just said no. Yeah. And, and he didn't get fired. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't get fired they didn't give the case to anybody else how could they we were a week away from the hearing and and as far as preserving the relationship is concerned he is still instructed by that law firm
0: it's baffling isn't it the yeah. power of no and that my yeah. my fear of saying no from yeah, day absolutely. one the fear absolutely. that if I if I say no to doing this job doing this free bit of work on spec for someone yeah um and I remember um sharing a room in chambers with someone younger than me who would sort of just very um, um, much more confident young man who would just say no if the clerks asked him to do a favor do a a free piece of advice he would just say no and I'd be sitting there going oh my god no one's gonna like you you're never gonna get used again and actually it was fine and he just used his time (laughs) more wisely on building things that were actually in his interest to do. And and no one thought less of him for it.
1: No, that's right. And, and, you know, you and I, in our, in our previous uh, incarnation in our old set, how many times did we hear if you don't do this, it's going to go out of chambers? Yes. Yeah. And so we have the oldest clerking trick in the book. And I don't (laughs) think it's around. I don't, I don't think it's deployed anymore, but I would, I would go for it every single time. Um, Your introduction to the Voices report sets the scene
0: by outlining a couple of incidents of eye-wateringly over discrimination you experienced at the beginning of your career when you were applying for pupillage and undertaking pupillage. Um, How much progress do you feel the bar has made with diversity and equality since then? And what work do you think there still is to do?
1: Well, I, I think we have made huge progress because the the incidents that i described in my would would, would not happen yeah because on, on the recruitment side we're aware of you know diversity and inclusion we're regulated we know that practices like that are not okay yes <laughs> so things like that i think will not happen I think that if they do happen, there would still be um, incidents like that would still go unreported because you're in a position of extraordinary vulnerability yeah. as a pupil or, or a junior tenant. So I think we've moved on enormously from uh, those days, simply, possibly, if I'm being cynical about it, because we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really troubling is the fact that we're still having this conversation. We're still having a conversation about inequality, about bias, conscious and unconscious. We're still having discussions about gender pay gap. Yeah. We shouldn't still be having those conversations 30 years later. Yes. And the fact that we are rather suggests that we're not, we're actually in many respects moving backwards rather than forwards because the rest <laughs> the rest of the world is seemingly moving on. Um, and, of course, those difficulties are compounded by, by our business model. Yes. Because there is no way of recording and reporting, no obvious way of recording or reporting incidents of, let's call it discrimination, within chambers while women are assuming either that they're on their own, uh, that there is something wrong with them, or that if they stick their head above their parapet and go to the head of chambers or go to their senior clerk or whatever, they'll get shot down in frames and they will have no um, no practice overnight. Yeah. Their work will dis- disappear. So see, all I think it all chimes in... in I think, I think all roads lead to Rome, really, because what we need to do um, in order to um, work towards change and keep the momentum going is keep the conversation going and be loud and noisy about it. Yes. And it's, in some ways, that becomes,
0: it doesn't necessarily get easier over time to keep that no. noise going because although you have more voices contributing to speaking yeah. out, you yeah. get to a situation where as some progress is made yeah there's a sense of well yeah it's already a lot easier for a lot yeah. of people um yeah. there are maternity policies yeah. and pay and things like that that wouldn't have been even yeah. conceivable i think in any sense no absolutely when you were starting out once upon a time and so yeah. there's a sense of well why are you still complaining about this i've yeah. not fixed it
1: yes i mean the other thing i've got a real be in my bonnet about and, and i actually find it very very depressing is how, and I'll be completely upfront about this, how unsupportive women are of each other. There are too many sharp elbows, and I say this, I say this, I'm not saying this, it's not you know not some deranged uh, general, generalization. I sent my report to a number of very senior women. Not, not out, outside the bar, this is. I think within the bar, women, women look after each other. But we look, we're talking about a problem that's not just endemic to the bar. Yes. It's an outward-facing problem as well with clients and in particular instructing solicitors. Yes. I sent my report to a large number of very senior female solicitors practicing in our area, partners, heads of departments, I also sent my report to a number of women who lead organizations that are supposed to champion women in the law. None of those women, none of, none of the, 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 the sort of diversity champions, not one of them replied. Really? <laughs> <laughs> not one of them replied. And in the end, somebody wrote back after I chased I chased out of sheer bloody-mindedness, and said, "Oh, um, oh, it's it's rather long." Yeah. (laughs) That was it. It's a good um, read. (laughs) I know, and um, and very few of the female solicitors responded, and I, I found that hugely depressing. Uh, one very high-profile woman solicitor in our field uh, simply wrote back with a one-liner and said, "Nothing's going to change."
0: Oh my goodness!
1: And you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I was I was quite horrified actually. I was horrified that the the response that I had from the solicitor side came uniquely and entirely from male solicitors.
0: Really, so and and yeah. what was their what was their reaction?
1: Well, I'll give you an example. I'll give I, I was contacted by the head of diversity at Allen and Overy, who um uh, who was uh, also head of their global intellectual property team. So they he's a pra- practitioner, yeah. Not not so he contacted me straight away and said, "What can we do to help? We're actively working on this." Yeah, on getting um I- instructing women and other you know, underrepresented groups these are the initiatives that we have in place um what can we do to help and i had similar calls from other similar calls and and and, and other, similar emails from other male solicitors but not not, not uh, no. it's extraordinary isn't it so what, so what's <laughs> behind that do you think uh, it's uh, it? i've got no idea yeah. I've got no idea, but you know it's it, it it's 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 the classic Madeleine Albright, isn't it? Hell, there's a special place in hell for women yeah. who don't support other women.
0: I wonder whether it's just that you've you've if you've made it through and you've run the gamut, yeah. run the gauntlet. Sorry to yeah. get through to a position yeah. of power yeah. um, that you yeah can't. I, and I you
1: know, and so it goes on. I'm I'm doing a case at the moment where um. Choosing a junior um i i I got the usual list of what um, uh, what wh- white um, men with oxbridge degrees. I emailed back saying, How about a woman in the short list uh, sent some th- CVs through without any without any um obviously sent cvs through of a more diverse list because what we don't do is just send cvs of women through yeah so we sent through a list and i had said to the female partner in charge of this case how about a woman and i'd made that direct contact i directly said that i'd said what i wasn't supposed to do and um that i was completely ignored the junior that was chosen, um, was a male, a white male. Yeah. Um, and that was a direct appeal by me to a female partner, head of litigation at a large law firm.
0: And do you think that maybe there's just a sense that they they feel too vulnerable in choosing other women, that they'll be seen as... Um... It's almost seen as a decision that's based on diversity, not based on merit. Yes, but-
1: possibly, possibly that, possibly um, a, a sort of deluded sense that this is what the client wants. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And also just, I, I guess, buying into the sort of stereotype that what does a barrister look like? Yes. Um, it's a certain type of. Um, yes, absolutely. Suit wearing Oxbridge white male, basically. Yeah, exactly. That's the sort of.
1: But, but you'll remember Chris Garwood, won't you? Yes, yes. Chris Garwood, the late, great Chris Garwood, who only ever instructed women. Really? <laughs> yes, he only ever instructed women. He said, he said women had more balls than men did. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think there's something
0: about someone who's had to, and that's, I think, the sort of the fallacy about people who think when if, if someone does uh, give people extra points for being a diversity, if you've come through against that sort of the, the the systemic obstacles you will have faced
1: yeah
0: you know you you don't you already start from behind so you've got yeah. to have a bit of guts to make it through yeah. that ultimately um so having identified some of the problems women experience the voices report went on to go through a series of follow up activities mm-hmm. um, in order to identify some practical solutions yeah. that could be Taken by people who were invested in trying to change this, and that was outlined, I think, initially in the Roots for Real Change report. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's quite an innovative list because it, in addition to things like the sort of standard response, which is you know make sure you've got decent parental leave policies and um, maternity policies, there were sort of some much more thoughtful approaches about things that you can do to really address the host of other problems women experience. Um, of those ideas, what do you regard as the sort of the fundamental steps that Chambers and individuals should take to begin with, whether because they're the low-hanging fruit, the things that are easy to implement, or because they're the ones that have the most impact in real terms?
1: Well, first of all, I just need to preface what I'm about to say by making it clear that I cannot cl- take any credit for the roots for real change initiative because, um that was led by my successor Nikki rushton uh, but obviously when we were putting together the report we we were working on recommendations and ideas um uh to uh, uh, yeah uh, how to make things better um but um i think i think the single most important um thing and this isn't this isn't low hanging fruit is is maintaining data, Hmm. data on uh, uh, billing, data on fee collection and receipts, data on fair allocation of work. I mean, it is a bit of a, you know, bulls aching process if I can say Hmm. that, because nobody likes to to, 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 to have to maintain a database about anything, quite frankly, because that's boring. <laughs> but if you don't have the data, you're not going to to monitor what's going on on the ground. You're not going to see what's going wrong, and and you're not going to be work. You're not able to work out ways of uh, of making things better. Mm. And one of the things that came out of the uh, Voices research, our roundtables, is how few of our participants realised that it was mandatory to keep keep fair allocation of work records. Right. So I think maintaining data is the single most important thing that can be done administratively. And, and that isn't low-hanging low fruit, as I said, because it, it's actually quite difficult. It's difficult to know what data to collect and how to record it. Uh, but it's got to be done. And there are, there are complications, I think, that can be thrown in by...
0: Um sort of equality and diversity things yeah. about and, and GDPR about what you're allowed to use data for, but yeah. there are some very useful resources on the Bar Council website about to help you navigate through that and, and, and constructively interpret yeah. um, the obligations, which, yeah. which mean that actually it, you should be able to do that without having to go through too many onus yeah. processes of obtaining formal uh, consent. That,
1: that's right. And, and then as, as sort of part of the sort of fair allocation of work thing... Bias awareness training, I, I think, is hugely important, not just for, for clerks, but also for barristers. I mean, I, 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 the other, the, uh, the other um, couple of months ago, I was um, asked to um, suggest some juniors. And um, I pushed very hard for a particular junior who had just had a baby. And I found myself, and I knew from my personal experience of working on this case that it was, you know, I hate the expression 24-7, but it was pretty 24-7 and it was going to be very intense coming back. But I was keen um, that this particular junior should be instructed, uh, not just because she was perfect, Uh, in terms of her practice profile, but because I thought, well, this is where, you know, you're coming back from having had a baby. This is where you need active sponsorship. But by the same token, I found myself thinking, well, we should be able to cope. What's going to happen with the baby and her childcare? And what if she's called on? What if she has to work late night or go into chambers on a Sunday? Now, you know, those are huge assumptions that I was making. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it's none of my business. Yeah, you know, so you know, I I could have done with my own, you know, own training, how to overcome those assumptions, how how to deal with them. Yeah. Um, so so um, yeah, I think bias um, awareness training um for practitioners as well as um clerks, and the other thing I think is a very good idea. It, it what we do at Wilberforce Chambers, which is. Uh, when a silk is looking for a junior, they are treated as clients. Yeah. So they go to the clerks, give the detail of the job, and the clerks put together a shortlist. Uh, uh, and what, what that means is that the juniors get a fair crack at the whip. You don't always get what we would see, do you remember, in our, in, you know, all the time in, in in our practice, which was you get favoured juniors yeah. getting the patronage of successful silks and getting all the decent work. Yeah, absolutely. And because
0: lead work and allocation of lead work can make such a huge difference in terms of
1: the experience, the exposure, the profile. And and income. And and income. income. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all know that, you know, the big bucks are made when you're sitting in court.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And on long hearings that. Yeah. That can run. Yeah. yeah. And then and then you have that experience that you can use to yeah,
1: absolutely. support
0: the next steps of your career progression. Yeah. So I think we've already touched on, to some extent, the role you think men have in uh, forging women's equality um, with this sort of response you got. Do you feel that's something you've had that from solicitors? What about men at the bar?
1: Oh, very positive reactions from men at the bar. Yeah. Um, and it's just a really, it's a really nice thing to see if that's not too, you know,
0: yeah.
1: facile a way of putting things. Um, when we had our panel discussions after Voices was, was launched, it was, I was contacted separately by a lot of men and male heads of chambers who'd attended to say how illuminating it had been for them. Yeah. And, of course, the younger younger men uh, or already younger male practitioners already steeped in the language of equality and inclusion. But actually, you know, it's one thing to, you know, walk the walk. It's another sort of talk the talk or whichever way around it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, they they contacted me. A couple of young male practitioners contacted me to say that it had made them think, quite hard about their own career progression um, compared to their female contemporaries.
0: Yeah. And it's, 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 it's very easy because it's so systemic that you buy into that, don't you? Yeah. And you sort of internalize it and it becomes yeah. a completely unconscious thing. I, I was thinking about that my, myself with them, just sort of the assumptions you can make about people, for example, couples who are yeah. both, both lawyers. Yeah my assumption that I have found myself making the where I expect that the man will be more ambitious yeah. and that the, 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 the woman maybe is taking a back seat to look after children. Yes. where yes. It's entirely <laughs> it's not entirely my assumption and, and no evidence to support no, it, but definitely. just coming in from a sort of societal thing that that's how you believe these things happen. And so um, it is positive to see men, I think. How open they are to it, and and how we're all having to challenge our own um, unconscious biases. I
1: quite enjoyed over over lockdown actually. I I was doing a a couple of cases where I was uh, leading um, uh, male juniors with small children, and how open they were about saying, "Well, I can't have a call at you know two or whatever time it was because I'm doing I'm doing maths," yeah, Um, or I've got to pick a you know child up and do this that and the other they were completely open about it
0: yes and it's it, that's part of reopening that isn't it yes the,
1: absolutely
0: because i think there's so long i've been big fan of the idea of actually having paternity leave as a yeah. feminist issue yeah 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 because so much of it becomes well the woman has to take it because the man doesn't get it and, and yeah, frankly yeah. they need someone to do it um and in terms of challenging stereotypes when you encounter them Do you have any tips for anyone on ways to um, challenge bias or stereotypes that you
1: witness or experience? Well, I mean, the difficulty with that is is that, you know, the answer is you challenge it. (laughs) 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 Which is easy for me to say. Yes. um, Because I'm old enough and ugly enough and I, you know, I don't really care anymore what people think (laughs) about me, frankly. (laughs) Um, But, you know, for for younger practitioners, it is difficult. But the reality is that no one's going to think badly of you if you do challenge uh, a behaviour. I mean, let's take a stark example. If you can see a... If you're in in the clerk's room and and you um, overhear a clerk... Deciding to give a case to male A rather than woman B, because woman B has just had a baby and she probably doesn't have much time on her hands. Yeah. If you challenge the clock, as you should, for making that assumption, first of all, he's not going to make, he's not going to make that, he's not going to do it ever again, however much you might piss him off, quite frankly. <laughs> and secondly, that clerk is going to realize that you are a, a force to be reckoned with and this is this is all it all comes back to the same thing which is you know the power of 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 sharing experiences and speaking up
0: well i can't think of a better note to wrap <laughs> up
1: marcia <Master's
0: laughs> and thank you so much for joining no, us and giving us your time
1: it's been a delight
0: Eight House Chambers is a barrister's chambers which specialises in legal advice and advocacy in the areas of clinical negligence and personal injury, commercial dispute resolution, construction, insolvency, insurance, private client, professional liability and property. This recording is provided free of charge for information purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. No responsibility for the accuracy and or correctness of the information and commentary, or for any consequences of relying on it, is assumed or accepted by any member of Gatehouse Chambers or by Gatehouse Chambers as a whole.